Good morning. Today's scripture reading is found in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. I'll be reading from the NIV. Hear the word of the Lord. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Dana and team, for leading us this morning. Good morning, Trinity Church. So good to see you here this morning, Pastor Jeff Gangle. And uh, so good to see Tom up here reading. As many of you know, I've been praying for months. Tom uh, went through heart valve surgery and is just recently back with us after recovery from that. So, so good to have Tom and Barbara back and, and Tom back in his role as elder and reading our scripture this morning. Thanks, Tom, for doing that. And uh, I love that last uh, song, that new song that uh, Dane and the team were teaching us this morning, how true and faithful, sure is our God, our Father in heaven. And uh, what a great statement to talk about the fatherhood of God and sing about him this morning as so many of you are celebrating Father's Day. And it's great to see a lot of families together this morning, and whether you come to visit your dad or... or um, or dad came to visit you, however it worked out this morning. I hope that sometime today you'll get a chance to either see or talk to your dad. And for those of you like me, if you saw the video yesterday, you know I mentioned that yesterday was the anniversary uh, that my dad passed away 13 years ago on, on June 18th. And uh, so for me, it's, it's those great memories of my dad's influence in my life and uh, the imprint that he's made. And so many of you have those kinds of memories and thankfulness as well. So uh, it's a good day to, to celebrate that together. And uh, our passage is very appropriate for today. You'll hear that as we get into the message in just a few moments. Um, let me say one more thing about family. Nick mentioned this at the beginning. Next Sunday, I really hope that you'll be here, if, if at all, you, any way you can, uh, because the family that's listed, we have their picture and more information about them in the WhatsApp. We don't give a lot of information when we're live streaming because just to protect that family and their ministry. But it's not often we get to have one of our Trinity missionary families here with us, and not just the missionary, the whole family will be here. And so I hope you can make it and meet them and greet them and encourage them, and uh, it's going to be a real special day to be able to then carry that over and, and then go downstairs and have dinner together and just extend our fellowship a little bit uh, on that day next week. So uh, please make every effort to be here next Sunday if you can possibly do that. And for today, let me pause for a minute. Let's go to the Lord in prayer once more together and just ask him to teach us as we look at his word together. Our Lord God, we thank you for this very special day. Thank you that we can sing about you as our Father and that it's because it's your, your created decision to put us into families, to create marriage, to, to give us this example of what it means to be a father and so, Lord, we first and foremost praise you and worship you as our heavenly Father, and today we thank you for our earthly fathers. And, and though we as dads 
pale in comparison and are not always such good examples. I thank you that we can always look to you and in your grace, you allow us to minister to our families. And so I thank you for that privilege today. And Lord, as we come into your word in this, this precious passage that where Jesus showed us your heart for families, for kids, I pray, Lord, that you would instruct us and by your Holy Spirit, you would teach us, help me to accurately, rightly communicate your truth this morning. And then by the power of your spirit and the power of your word, Lord, be at work transforming our hearts and our lives and make a difference in our families and our attitudes and our behaviors because we have been with you and because we've heard from your word today. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So a couple months ago, Beth and I were uh, at a pastor's conference up in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And if you've ever been to Pigeon Forge, you know it's kind of a it's a tourist mecca, you know, the whole strip and all the things on the strip. And, and so one of our break times uh, from that conference, I, I convinced Beth to go go-karting with me because I love go-karts. I, this is a thing for families and kids, I know, but I, I'm still a kid at heart in many ways. So yeah, now she's saying that's what happened to her back. No, it was not that. But it, well, maybe it was, maybe it was. So this one, we've been to this one before. It's, I love this because it, it does this corkscrew up. You can't see, quite see it in this picture. Corkscrew up, about two stories high. You go over this bridge, corkscrew back down. So you're kind of constantly in this slide motion in your go-kart. And uh, so we're in line, and there's, there's actually two ways you can do this. So most of them are single go-karts, but they have a few double go-karts for parents with little kids. And I'm watching this drama play out in front of me, a family that's in line ahead of us, and as they get up to the, to the front where the attendant is, you can tell this little kid wants desperately to drive his own go-kart. But he comes up to the sign, you know these, these dreaded, you must be this tall signs? <laughs> you know? So he, this isn't the kid, this is a random picture, but he comes up to the sign and he's just short of the, of the line, and so the attendant puts him in the other line, he's got to ride with his dad. And you can tell, I mean, normally it'd be great to ride with dad, but when you really want to drive your own go-kart, it's kind of a... You know, it's second, it's second hand. So they get in line, they, they go together. After we finished, I thought, you know, that's so sad. And we, after we finished, we went to another part of the same go-kart track. And there they had like a preschooler's go-kart area. I, I'm serious. They, it was in a little tiny oval, and they put these kids on their own in the go-kart. They didn't go very fast, and it was, it was more like bumper cars. You know, they, they weren't really going around. They were just kind of going into each other in every which way, and the attendant would constantly jump out and kind of help them get the car straight again. But they let these littlest ones drive their own go-kart there. I thought, that's so cool. This is a go-kart kingdom for kids right here. And, you know, the kingdom of God is also for kids. And that's our focus this morning. You know, we've been in this series, we started at the beginning of June talking about the, the kingdom of God, the upside-down kingdom. And this upside-down kingdom, talking about how Jesus gave all these counterintuitive statements about the countercultural kingdom of God. Last week, we studied the words of Jesus to his disciples, telling them that the greatest in the kingdom are those who serve. Today's lesson is similar to that because it's another group of people that are different than that, that are unexpected. Just like last week, we didn't expect that Jesus would elevate the servants as the greatest in the kingdom. Today, 
He does this again, elevating the lowly, assigning greatness to those who have no status. And in this case, it's about children, about kids. And in Roman society of that day, children had very few rights, if any. They were not considered really important. They were not given much attention until they grew up older, until they were adults. And similar in the Jewish culture as well. Yes, kids were there, and parenting, taking care of your kids was important, but they themselves had very little in the way of rights. In fact, I found this quote from a New Testament scholar named R.T. France. He says this, A child was a person of no importance in Jewish society, subject to the authority of his elders, not taken seriously except as a responsibility, one to be looked after, not to be looked up to. That's how kids are viewed in that society. But Jesus turned that thinking upside down. When he's talking about his kingdom, it was going to be totally different from the way society functioned in his day and age. His was going to be a kingdom for kids, and that's our title for this morning, a kingdom for kids. If you're not there already, please turn to Mark chapter 10 in your Bible, your phone, whatever device you have with you to follow along this morning. We were in Mark 10 last week. We jumped, we're jumping back earlier in the chapter But the same chapter, Mark chapter 10, this week, and let me set the scene for you here. You heard the passage read by Tom a minute ago. Jesus and the disciples, we learned earlier in the chapter, were in Judea, the southern part of the the country, but they were to to the east, over on the other side of the Jordan River. And Jesus, we don't really know, was doing his thing, probably teaching or healing. He was interacting with, with people out there. And another group of people came to see Jesus. These were parents. These were moms. These were dads. They they were people like us. And they were bringing kids in tow, like many of you did this morning. And they brought their kids, and they were coming to Jesus because they wanted him to put his hands on them and bless them. Now, why why would they do this? What was in their heads about this? Well, it was common practice in that day for rabbis to offer blessings with their hands and on people and to bless them. And so, as Jesus gained this reputation as a very special rabbi or teacher in their country, people were coming to him, and this, this group wanted Jesus to bless their children. But Jesus' secret service detail held them back. Now, it was actually just the disciples, but they had in their mind that their job was to protect Jesus from these unwanted distractions. I mean, these were just kids after all. They didn't merit Jesus' time. And surely the priority was to the adults. They needed Jesus' attention right now. And if Jesus was going to establish a kingdom, now I think this must have been their line of thinking. If Jesus was going to establish a kingdom, then he needed some wealthy, well-to-do, powerful adults in, the, in Judea in his corner, supporting him. Surely the disciples were thinking that way. They wanted Jesus to focus on the rich and powerful, not the young and the restless, not kids. But boy, did they get it wrong. They had it all wrong. Jesus saw what was going on. Mark tells us he was indignant. It's a strong word. It means he was upset. He was angry at what the disciples were doing. Now, Mark is this way. He he doesn't, through his whole gospel, he doesn't hesitate to tell us about the emotions of Jesus. And he lets us know his emotion right here. Jesus did not want these children left out. He didn't want them pushed away. But why? 
Why was Jesus so focused on kids? Well, that's going to lead us to our kingdom principles for today. Again, we just have two, and here's the first one. The upside-down kingdom belongs to kids. That's what Jesus said. His kingdom belongs to kids. Look at verse 14. Here's what Jesus says. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. That's why Jesus was upset. But maybe your reaction was similar to mine. When I first read this, I thought, well, what? I mean, maybe the the disciples just didn't understand yet. Why didn't Jesus give them a break? Why is he so upset with them? Maybe they just didn't know. But they did know, or they should have known. You go back a chapter to Mark 9. Before this event, something else had happened, and it was the common, the, the context here is what was, had happened numerous times. The disciples were arguing about who was going to be greatest in the kingdom. It's the same thing we focused on last week, but this was a different conversation. So we know it happened multiple times, including at the Last Supper, by the way. So back in Mark chapter 9, pick it up in verse 35, Jesus enters in, he stops there arguing about who's the greatest, and he says, sitting down, it says, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve, and he said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. That sounds very much like we talked about last week, right? So Jesus said that more than one time, if you want to be great, you need to be a servant. But now watch what he does in this context, Matthew 9, or yeah, Mark 9, He took a little child whom he placed among them, and taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not just welcome me, but the one who sent me, the Father. The disciples had heard this already. How could they forget this very visual illustration? Jesus took a little child and put it right in the middle of the disciples. He said, you welcome this child, you're welcoming me, and you're welcoming my Father. And they totally forgot that. And when parents brought kids to Jesus, they held them away. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom for families. It's a kingdom for kids. This has really enormous implications for us as Christ followers. Let's kind of bring this home for us. The first thing I think this means is that families should focus on leading their kids to Christ. It means that God cares for kids. He wants them in His kingdom. He wants them to come into a relationship with Him. It means that children have the capacity to understand this hidden spiritual kingdom that we talked about the very first week. God has given children the capacity to understand and respond to it. Um, I I don't mean little tiny babies, but when they come to an age. So for me, I came into the kingdom of Christ at age five. My kindergarten teacher led me to Jesus. She understood this principle. She understood that God wants children into his kingdom. The very thing the disciples missed. But it means for us as families, and today specifically, let me just say, dads, granddads, uncles, brothers, cousins, men, if you are here today, God has given you a responsibility and the privilege of introducing the children in your family, even if it's extended family, to Jesus. He wants you to bring them to Him, just like these families brought their children to Jesus. The spiritual salvation and growth of children matters to God, and it should matter to us in our families. The most important thing of all. 
So here's my challenge, because this was what hit me this week as I was preparing this message. Are you actively praying for the salvation and spiritual growth of the children in your family? I thought about this this week, and you know, Beth and I were very intentional about this when our kids were little, praying that in an early age they would come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. And praise the Lord, they both did. And praise the Lord, they're both following Him now, and they are teaching their children. But I realized I have dropped the ball. I have not been praying as faithfully for the salvation of my grandchildren as I should be. I'm going to change that. I'm going to make that, I'm making that a commitment to pray more faithfully for my grandchildren to come to know Jesus. That's a responsibility I have as a grandfather. As families, we should be bringing the kids in our families to Jesus. Second thing is this has implications for us as a church family too. And Jesus is telling His followers let the little children come to me. Invite them. Bring them. The disciples should have been part of this too. Not just the families, the disciples, the followers of Jesus should have been active in bringing children to Jesus. And so here's my point. The church, I believe, should help escort children to Christ. It's part of our role as the church. It's why children's ministry, our youth ministry, is so vital and is part of our ministry. It's why Last week and other times you hear us asking for volunteers to come help and teach and love on our kids. I put, brought up a couple of pictures because maybe if you don't have kids or grandkids here, you don't get out there very often, but in our new renovated space, so a couple of pictures. We don't have a lot of kids, but the kids we have here at Trinity are loved on and taught every single Sunday as they're being taught right now in that back room. Why do we do that? Because Jesus says that's our responsibility as a church, as his followers, is to tell kids, lead kids to Jesus. And when we do that, when you minister to kids, teens, you are exemplifying the heart of Jesus. We know that from this passage. It's also why, let me put out another encouragement to you for you who are regulars here at Trinity, that's why we need to be inviting families, kids, teenagers to Trinity. We want them here so that they can become part of this larger church family and hear about Jesus, be taught about Jesus. That's why we have a commitment at Trinity to teach our kids about Him because that's our job, to introduce children to the Lord Jesus. Third thing, I think this has implications in our society right now. And here's kind of the downside because, as we know, our society will hinder our children from meeting Christ. That's just the reality. That's the reality of our, the world that we live in. Children are not going to get any help getting to Jesus from our society. That's why we need to step in as their families, as their church. As, as you know, the majority of people in our country believe that a mother's right to choose outweighs a child's right to live. Well, why, why would we believe that? Why would people say that? It's because our society believes that the life of an adult is more important than the life of an unborn child. That, that's the value system of our world, of our society. And Jesus says that's upside down. That's totally wrong. And here in this passage, as other passages in God's Word, He turns that upside down. God's value system he cares about kids, children, and the unborn. 
And though abortion does not hinder a child from going to heaven, it certainly prevents a child from walking with Jesus on this earth if that life is taken. And you know what? When children are hindered in that way, that makes Jesus indignant. Don't miss the double command here. This is powerful. Jesus said to his disciples, let the children come to me. And he said, do not hinder them. He want to make sure they got the message this time. Let them come. Don't stop them. Don't get in their way. Don't be a hindrance to them. And just to show you how much God cares about that, let me show you a passage. We'll put it on the screen. Matthew 18, 6. As Jesus was having one of these conversations with his disciples about kids, look what he says. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Wow. Jesus was making a powerful point. He said, if you get in the way, if you lead one of these kids astray, for those who would hurt children, abuse children, this is what God says about that. He has no tolerance for those who mess with kids. His heart is for us to bring children to Him. And extends that out. It's not children. This is part of the bigger picture that those who are left out or thought of as less by our society are the very ones Jesus wants in His kingdom. Today is not only Father's Day. Today is Juneteenth. It just became a national holiday last year, but it's one that's been celebrated in the African-American community for 150 years. So here's the history, in case you don't know of it. June 19, 1865, that's the day that slavery ended in our nation. Actually, President Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation two and a half years before that. But we were in the middle of a civil war, and so not all the slaves were freed at that time when that proclamation was issued. And even, in fact, even after the war ended, which was before June 19th, it was spring of that year, a couple months before, slavery continued in some of the border states that hadn't been as much involved in the war and the effects hadn't come to them, states like Texas. And so it was on June 19, 1865, that General Gordon Granger stood on Texas soil in Galveston and he proclaimed freedom for the 250,000 slaves that were still slaves in the state of Texas. And later that same year, the 13th Amendment added to our Constitution, abolishing slavery once and for all in our nation. June 19th was the day our nation finally said slaves deserve to be citizens. Jesus had said that long before that. Jesus addressed those who are dismissed, those who are discounted, those who are thought of as less than any society, and he said, they're the ones I want in my kingdom, including children. And he wants us to have the same mindset. He taught this to his disciples, and it's in God's word because he wants us to learn that's the upside-down kingdom, to love and accept and invite those who are pushed away in our society. And Jesus takes us to another level, too. Here's our second principle this morning. The upside-down kingdom must be received like a child. So Jesus is making another point here. He's not just reemphasizing the same point. Yes, children 
and the disenfranchised are invited into his kingdom. But there's another point here. The passage shows Christ's passion for kids in, undoubtedly, but it also teaches us, for any of us, this is how you become part of his kingdom, for anyone. Look at verse 15, what he says to his disciples. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Again, this is a powerful statement. And you can find a variety of inter interpretations. What does he mean, like a little child? What does that involve? Some have said that's the humility of a little child, or others say it's the, it's the simple faith of a child, or it's the joy and enthusiasm and eagerness of a little child. And my thought is it's probably all of that. Jesus is putting this together. He's saying this is how you receive the kingdom. And that's a key word, the word receive, because entry into Christ's kingdom is a gift it's an invitation. It's a gift, and it must be received the way a child receives a gift. Well, how is that? How does a child receive a gift? Well, a child, when he sees that his gift is given to him, he's, he's happy. He's excited. He's ready to just start tearing into the paper, right? He doesn't ask any questions about, you know, where did this come from, or how much did this cost you, or is this really mine? No, he just eagerly receives that gift. Kids are really good at that. But as adults, we're not so good at that, right? We're not so good at receiving. And in fact, when it has to do with the entrance into a kingdom, our thought is, well, surely there must be a cost to pay. There must be something I must need to do to earn my right to walk into this kingdom. We as adults have those kind of questions, those kind of doubts. And Jesus is saying, no, you, you, you enter my kingdom like a child. The child comes completely dependent. There's nothing that child can do to earn his way or pay his way in. Children, when they are given that invitation to enter, they'll run to the entrance. And Jesus is saying, that's how I want you to enter and receive my kingdom, like a child. When our kids were growing up, we lived in, in northeast Georgia in Tacoa, and <clears throat> once a year, at least once a year, we, we would take our kids to Six Flags over Georgia, the other side of Atlanta. And this was not one of Beth's favorite outings. <laughs> She's not crazy about roller coasters and crowds and all the stuff that goes. But as a dad, I loved roller coastering with my kids. So I always look forward to this date. And, and when we would, would tell our kids, hey, this is the day we're going to go to Six Flags, they were so excited. They'd be jumping up and down and happy. And, and we'd get there. They never gave a second thought to... The dad had to pay for the tickets. Dad had to get them there, drive them there. Dad had to stay with them the whole day and go around everything with them. The dad was paying for parking to get in there. They didn't think about any of that. We'd walk up there, drive up there. They'd see the gates to Six Flags, and they were ready to run in and just go right through those gates and have fun for the day. They entered the Six Flags kingdom with joy and enthusiasm and faith without any thought. The cost, the cost had been paid for them. And Jesus is saying, the cost has been paid. He paid it at the cross, and he wants us to receive that gift of his kingdom like kids, knowing that there's nothing we can do to earn his kingdom. It comes as a gift. It belongs to those who freely and joyfully receive that gift. And those who enter the kingdom of heaven do so because they've trusted God to pay their way in. 
So we come with the humility of children, with the trust in what Jesus has already done at the cross, and we walk through the gates. And notice Jesus says that there's no other way. There is no other way. It's the only entrance into His kingdom is through His free gift of what He's done for us already on the cross to make sure our sins have been paid for. And if you don't receive the kingdom like a child, Jesus says you will never enter. Now, think about the disciples here. Their chins must have been dropping to the ground at this point, right? Because they had already been rebuked for holding back the children. Okay, yes, I get it now. Jesus wants the children. Okay. But now Jesus looks at them and He says, if you don't have the heart and the attitude of a child, then you're not going to enter in either. That must have been just appalling to them. Talk about upside-down kingdom. That, that was a revelation to them. Childlike faith is absolutely essential for entering Christ's upside-down kingdom. I think there may be just a little bit more here. That I think there's something else that Jesus wants us to learn from kids. How to continue relating to God once we're in His kingdom. Yes, entrance into His kingdom is that joy and that faith and that dependence of a child, but that's how we continue to relate to God. That's why He presents Himself, and as we sang this morning, He is our Father, our Heavenly Father. So He wants us to continue to relate to Him as His children. So what does that mean? It means that we come to Him in dependence. It means that we continually, daily trust in Him. It means that we learn to love Him as a Father. All of that is involved in our relationship with Him. And we're, we learn those lessons from kids. Let me, let me just show you a couple examples from my own grandkids. So our grandson Trey up in, lives with his family up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And he, Trey is four and a half years old right now. But from as early as I can remember, one of the bedtime routines is that our son Brad will throw him up in the air numerous times. So just a real quick video of this. I asked my son to send it to me. See if we can get this up here. There he goes. They'll do that multiple times, up and down, up and down, up and down. And that's just part of the bedtime routine now. Every day is a lesson in trust. The little, that little boy just giggling his head off as his dad throws him up in the air. That's the faith of a child. That's the ongoing kind of trust God wants in us. A couple of days ago, Beth and I went down to Smyrna to visit our daughter and her family, and their little two-and-a-half-year-old Nathan just getting up from a nap. He came to me, crawled up in my lap, put his head in my chest, and he said, Papa, I need snuggles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that melts your heart, right? Well, of course, I just embraced him and held him for the longest time. He wanted to be loved, and, and that's what God has said. He wants us to be like kids in that way, to go to him and ask him for snuggles, to say, God, I need your love. And we hold off. One more example. Nathan, again, has taught me so much about exuberance and the joy of singing about the mercies of our Lord. I've never seen a two-and-a-half-year-old with more, the more into his worship. So watch this. It will
I didn't say he could sing in tune. I just said <laughs> exuberance. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Well, how wonderful to see a two, hear and see a two-and-a-half-year-old singing about the mercies of the Lord like that. We learn from kids. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's the faith to enter his kingdom, but it's the faith to keep relating to him like a child. God presents himself to us as a father, and he wants us to come to him as children. And once we become adults, we need children to remind us how to keep trusting, how to keep loving our father in heaven. Childlike faith is required to enter the kingdom of God. Childlike love is necessary to continue relating to God as Father. A great lesson for us this morning. Well, I love how the passage ends. This must have been an unforgettable visual reminder for the disciples. Verse 16, he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. I know a lot of artists have tried to kind of capture this moment. I, I don't know that you can capture it. I think this scene maybe demonstrates the heart of God more than any other scene in the Bible. Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the creator of the universe, <laughs> stooping down to pick up these grimy, sweaty kids and holding them. And I, I don't know, the text doesn't tell us what all, but I picture Jesus would do kind of what I do with my grandkids, tussling their hair, smiling at them, laughing at them, making faces, getting them to laugh, telling jokes, tickling, and then praying for them. That's the heart of Jesus for children. And he says, that's what my kingdom is about. So at one minute, Jesus is indignant with his disciples for holding back the kids. And the next minute, he's pouring out his compassion and his love on the kids themselves. If they didn't get it before now, seeing Jesus with the kids would have cemented the lesson, I think. Proving what he had just said about welcoming children. If we're going to obey Jesus in this, then we need to welcome the children. Who are the children in your life? Who are the children you have influence with, that you have relationship with? They may be your own family. They may be in your neighborhood. I don't know. They may be kids of your friends, but the children that are in your circle of influence, show them love, give time to them, make them a priority, and tell them about Jesus. That's what the kingdom is about. So specifically, again, to you dads that are here today, granddads, uncles, brothers, you have one of the most important jobs in the kingdom to introduce the little ones in your life to the kingdom of God, to show them what it means to enter that kingdom with childlike faith. And you do that in your own life, by your own example. So the upside-down kingdom of God values children just as much as adults and requires adults to become more like children. That's the upside-down kingdom of God. Literally and figuratively, this upside-down kingdom is a kingdom for kids. Let's pray. Our Lord God, thank you so much for this passage and for the reminder of what your kingdom is all about. And Lord Jesus, that you took the time to show your disciples and to show those families and the crowds around you that 
the, the ones, the little ones that were often discarded in society and certainly not thought of as the greatest, but were thought of as the least. And you gave them time, attention, love. And Lord, that your heart is that your kingdom be filled with children and with those who enter like children. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd give us that heart, that faith like a child, to love you like a father, to come with joy and enthusiasm to run to your kingdom just like a child. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you made this all possible by paying the price for our sin at the cross. What great love that shows for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.